Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, this is Bennett Kelly. Welcome to another edition of Cyber Law and Biz Report, broadcasting live here from the Internet Law Center in downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. It's actually chilly here in um, <laughs> Santa Monica today. Don't know how it compares to out east, haven't checked yet. But um, we have a very hot topic for you, and that is um, cybercrime and cybersecurity. And just like Saturday Night Live has Steve Martin and Alan Baldwin. Um, we have Stan Stallback for I believe it's the eighth time he's been a regular on the show, a good friend of the show. And um, Stan is president of Citadel Information Group. And also he has a new venture called Secure the Village that we'll be talking about as well. Stan, are you with us? Yes, I am, Bennett. And I want to thank you. This is the first time I've ever been associated with Alec Baldwin in the same sentence, so <laughs> I want to thank you for that right off. Now, I do have a bit of trivia today, um, and by the way, show notes for today's show are, as usual, on our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at cyberlawradio. So today is the anniversary of the first miracle on ice, the, the U.S. victory in um, Squaw Valley in 1960. At the Winter Olympics, when the hockey team won the gold, and um, there's a player, the last player cut from that team. Do you happen to know who that was? Haven't a clue. It was the coach of the Miracle on Ice in 1980, Herb Brooks. Okay. So, um, any event, so a hockey fans, today was a, a very good day, many, many years ago, before I was born. So, um, but let's start, Stan. We're going to talk about cyber threats today, and particularly, what are some of the top, top threats for 2018? Mm -hmm. And, um, but if you were talking to an, uh, you know, a business audience right now, would it be fair to say that the if you're looking at the audience, that one of the greatest cyber threats for that company is is them oh just absolutely true uh, the risk from 
people not knowing the right things to do, the culture not su- not supporting information security, that there's not a culture of uh, what we call cyber adaptation, cultural adaptation to the, the needs of cybersecurity, in many ways, those are the biggest challenges that we face. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it later, but if you look at whether it's the DNC breach, the Equifax breach, the way Uber handled their breach, the Target breach, in all of those, you Sony. really see a lack of leadership. Yeah. Sony, yeah, all of that. And yeah. it's, it's people, people, people. And it's educating people about simple things like opening email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, and and it's 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 so clever. I mean, you you can look at, for example, just start with the DNC hack. Uh, what we've seen is is very specific. We've seen the email that John Podesta of Hillary Clinton's campaign got. Uh, looks like it comes from Google. Uh, it says somebody's tried to hack into your account. Click here to change your password. And any of those click here to do this, open this attachment to do that. All of those things need to be looked at with a great deal of, of, of concern, of caution, because those are the things that the cyber criminal is going to do to try to induce the recipient of that email to take an action that is going to expose that person's computer right. to being taken over. And, and that is a starting point. So there are, you could spend thousands on software, on consultants, but if you're not educating your employees about being smart with email and other basic procedures, you're, you're already behind the eight ball. Totally true. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no way, uh, particularly in a complex network environment, that IT is going to be able to keep everything 100% buttoned up. Uh, in, in some cases, in, in some sense, that's, that's even impossible to do. I mean, you go back uh, to the U.S.-Israeli joint attack on the Iranian nuclear uh, processing capability, where uh, that, that infiltration occurred, again, through people. It was social engineering to get people to take certain actions. Once they did that, the IT network was completely vulnerable because uh, we, the U.S. and Israeli jointly, had discovered vulnerabilities in Windows that no one else in the world knew existed. So you couldn't defend against them because you didn't know they were there. Right. And we built exploits. We Again, we, the, the U.S. And, and, the, and, the, and the Israelis, built exploits to take advantage of those vulnerabilities once we could get those exploits onto the computer network. And that was the place where the social engineering came in. In Iran, it was USB drives, sticks, right. that were taken in. In the Democratic National Committee's case, in the Har- Target case, uh, most likely in the... Uh, Uber case as well, it was emails that did that. Uh, Equifax was a little bit different, but it's that same lack of leadership that shows up. And, and so that's the starting point, but there are a number of threats that require some attention in today's environment. Mm-hmm. And what would be your number one on your list? Well, right now, I'm most concerned about ransomware. Uh, it's 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 almost like uh, shoplifting in a store, in a, in in a sense that it's uh, it's it's a low, oftentimes not always, oftentimes a low dollar value uh, 
which makes it easier to pay it than to struggle through dealing with it. But the, the basic idea, and again, it goes to the human side, a user gets an email, that email says, click this link, open this attachment, whichever, user does that, and malware, malicious software is downloaded onto the user's computer, and sometime after that, sometime in the future after that, uh, the network's uh, files get encrypted, and management gets a, a notice that unless you pay a ransom, usually in bitcoins, uh, you'll never see your files again. They're encrypted. If you pay that ransom, they will give you the, the key that unlocks all of those. Uh, the amounts we've seen vary from a, a, even a few hundred dollars up to a few tens of, of thousands of dollars. It's, it's a, a low-value crime in comparison, let's say, to a business email compromise where a user gets an email, let's say a controller. Uh, CFO gets an email that uh, either looks like it comes from a vendor that they've changed their bank account, wire our bill, you know, our payment to a new bank account, which is fraudulent, or the email looks like it comes from the president of the uh, organization that says transfer money to yada, 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 some bank account, whatever. Uh, those are big crimes. They, the average, uh, we just saw a report from uh, Beasley Insurance, the average is running about $350,000, which is wow. 10 to 100 times higher than the ransomware, so it's a much more costly crime. Uh, but again, it's it's in that realm of like ransomware, business email compromise. These are the kinds of things that our businesses are being hit with right now. But in ransomware, there there are other costs aside from paying the ransom. You know, there's the cost mm -hmm. of being down. Mm -hmm. and, you know, particularly that's why they go to certain certain places that are targeted. For example, hospitals. Yeah, hospitals cannot they. It's, it is literally a matter of life and death, so they must pay it. And what, what I find striking is, you know, I've seen reports of police stations paying ransomware. Yes. And, uh, you would think that you know, them, they of all people, either one, wouldn't, wouldn't be subject to that, and two, wouldn't pay the ransom, but they have to. You know, this is a certain um, public safety issues that require them to do so. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a real challenge that way for organizations. Um, and we've also seen, so the ransomware is there. You pay the ransom, you get your files back, but the same malicious software that installed the ransomware has installed uh, key loggers potentially where all your keystrokes are now right. monitored and sent back to the bad guys so that if you've logged into a bank account or something, they now have your passwords to the bank account. Uh, we've seen, you know, extortion campaigns based on a initial ransomware. Um, and we've seen breaches where personally identifiable information, credit card numbers, whatever, are also taken during, as, as part of that same attack that installed the ransomware. Now, to protect yourself, there's a number of ways you can protect yourself against ransomware. One, obviously, is having backups. Mm -hmm. You know, having the ability to say, you know, GFY, um, you know, I'm not paying you a cent. But um, that is one aspect of it. The other is that since a lot of times it seems that these these attacks come through, you know, known exploits or vulnerabilities in systems, and so it seems like it's important that you have, you know, Updates, automatic updates, or at least you're very used to maintain current in your software updates so that you're not, you know, your exploits are, are being uh, picked apart. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, all of those things. On the one side, training of users becomes critical, keeping your systems patched and updated so that uh, the vulnerabilities that uh, are going to get you are the subtle ones that are unlikely to be used by people in the, ra- you know, criminals in the ransomware business. They could, but they're less likely to have those those advanced attacks. They, they cost more money. Um, and um, having good, solid backups and also, it's, it's not enough just to think you have the backups. We were called, our company was called into a situation, an accounting firm hit with ransomware. Uh, their IT vendor said, no problem. Uh, they restored everything from backup. Um, and then the company discovered that there were some really critical files that were on a person's desktop that had never made it to back to the server to get backed up. And those files wow. were now lost. Uh, That's a good several thing to years remember. Of tax returns. Yeah, yeah. So it's really critical to make sure you are backing up everything you think everything. you're backing up. Now, I looked at the start of the year, I looked at a number of the software providers' um, threat predictions. Mm-hmm. And one prediction for this year was that financial Trojans will take more and will steal more than ransomware this year. Mm-hmm. Explain what a financial Trojan is. So they come in different varieties. One I've already mentioned, uh, the idea, and it's, 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 more, it's, it's, it's that email you get looking like it's from your, your, the president of your company or right. a vendor asking you to transfer money. Uh, those are the, if you will, the overt ones. The more covert, and like a, a piece of a, a, a financial Trojan called Zeus has been around for good gods, probably close to 10 years now. Um, Zeus is one of those things. You click on a link, you open an attachment, and under the hood, so to speak, a program called Zeus, and there are others, runs, uh, embeds itself into your computer, and now keeps track of all of your keystrokes, uh, finds your user ID and password to your bank accounts, uh, provides these to the cyber criminal who can be anywhere around the world. Um, And now the cyber criminal logs into the victim's bank and acts as if it is the user, has the user ID, has the passwords, and so on, and moves money, uh, transfers money from your bank account, the victim's bank account, to wherever it wants, anywhere in the world that way. Now, um, you have a presentation that kind of goes over some of the the key um, cyber threats, and you can see your financial um, cyber freedom presentation. Mm-hmm. And um, you use actually the DNC hack as an example yeah. of what can go wrong with an institution and and the price that can be paid by it. Um, right. What about that? What about that is instructive to you? Well, so so much went wrong in that DNC hack. Uh, Starting very early on, uh, September of 2015, the FBI calls the IT uh, vendor at the Democratic National Committee and says, um, you've been compromised by a cyber espionage gang linked to the Russian government. The IT guy runs some basic scans. He doesn't see anything. He's not even sure that the phone call was really from the FBI. He doesn't say anything to his boss. And basically, it all gets ignored. I mean, that, that's just the wow. beginning. Uh, 
And it goes all the way back to leadership again. He's subsequently called by the FBI. He still can't see anything wrong. They continue to alert him. He finally says something to his boss, who's the DNC's technology director. Uh, but his boss doesn't take any action because you've got the what he's the what the guy's boss, the director of IT, is concerned about at that point isn't are the Russians breaking in, but is Hillary attacking Bernie? Is Bernie attacking Hillary? You know, that right. he was looking at all those, you know, did either have access, Ill, Ill, illegitimate, improper access to the other's campaign data. Um, you've got in that same story, um, Podesta gets this email that says, you know, click on this link. He sends uh, an email to a colleague. Hey, I just got this. What should I do? He gets an email back that it's legitimate. Um it wasn't, and so was that a t- I mean, I'm looking at your slide. Was that a typo? Did he mean really mean to say legitimate? Well, he or- said, "Yeah, Delavin. This is Charles Delavin, uh, one of the members of the team, um, who says it's a legitimate email, but then C subsequently said it was a typo. He meant to say it was illegitimate. Wow. But where's the leadership? Where's the security management there? Yeah, right. Finally, um. The the you know the leadership the DNC um, gets involved, but that's not until April of 2016. Um, after you know, I mean, the hackers by this time have gained access to the DCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. They've got the to the main computer, the network of the DNC. The FBI continues to reach out to the IT guy, who still sees no reason to be alarmed. Um, he finds copies of phishing emails in their spam filter, but it's like nothing's done. Um, through seven months, they were at least the Russian hackers were in the system before anybody noticed any. I mean, anybody in power, anybody in, in in a position of authority, did anything. And then after the breach, the tech director at the DNC says, "Well, there was never enough money to do everything we needed to do," which, frankly, to me, is one of the great cop-outs of all time, and especially uh, for a very well-financed campaign. Well, yes, but, yeah. Not and, that the, the money was in in the DNC, but yeah. I mean, when does a when does IT ever have enough money to do everything that it wants or that it needs to do? It never does. And this, this goes to just not only the lack of leadership, but where in the organization security lives. In the case of the DNC, in the case of Equifax, in the case of Target, the top security person reported to the chief information officer, the head of IT. And that's an automatic conflict of interest right there because IT is responsible for keeping systems up and running and making sure people can work them and use them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Security, they're the people that have to say, wait a minute, slow down. We got to make sure we're doing things securely. We got to make sure that, you know, we're not exposing ourselves unnecessarily. And oh, by the way, we too need budget. I mean, when the security reports to IT and IT takes all the budget, there's nothing left for security. And that's, that's you, you see that more clearly in Target than you do in the DNC even. Uh, but it's that same issue that security reports into the IT function 
instead of reporting separately up to uh, the executives. So I mean, that, that's a critical piece of this. And a critical piece of this show is get, letting our sponsors get an, a word in edgewise from time to time. And we're going to take that opportunity right now. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. All of your favorite webmasterradio.fm programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes, my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. Oh, Archibello! Learn more at brainhealth.gov. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking to Stan Stahl about cybersecurity threats for 2018. And... Um, Stan, it's it's interesting. This the reaction. There was a testimony yesterday in Capitol Hill, on from the Cyber Command about the response to uh, the Russian hack into 2018, and it, it was a stunning statement that no, there's been no instruction to do anything at all about it. Yeah, um, from the president, and. I mean, one, from a policy matter, that's just appalling. It's, it's, you know, we have been invaded in, in a cyber sense, which is a very real sense. And it's like the president went, has gone fishing. And mm-hmm. th- that, that's just appalling. Um, but I'm wondering to what extent is Trump an anti-hero for cyber, for biz- American business, to the extent that he is the example not to follow? That because he, it is his, his complete abdication in this area is so glaring, does it send a signal to business that that's exactly what not to do? I think it's 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 two things, uh, Bennett. It's 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 that he is that example of of what not to do, um, but that grow that that out of that flows just a recognition that our businesses our nonprofits our communities all of us we're basically on our on our own right now um, and we've got to take 
responsibility at the community level, the individual level, to help get our arms around this problem ourselves. We're not going to get the kind of help right now out of Washington uh, that we sh that we should that we need. Um, that's in part why I started Secure the Village uh, was even before Trump, recognizing that in th with the dysfunction in Washington, uh, so much of this was going to have to be led from the bottom rather than led from the top, led from our communities. So I mean that that that's a piece of it. the The other piece of of what Trump it seems to me is doing is, as you said, de demonstrating the you know the the, the anti what to do, if you will, um, his attitude towards Russian hacking, uh, frankly, is appalling. We'll, we'll find out more. I think it's part of the Mueller investigation. It's clear. It's got to be. I mean, the, the meeting at Trump Tower in June of, what was it, 2016, mm -hmm. when apparently even then uh, the Russians had information on Hillary. They wanted to share that with Trump, allegedly. We're, we're going to see how that works out. Um, I think in some ways the, the hand Trump is playing, if you will, uh, there's this great quote out of The Usual Suspects, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Right. And that's what Putin's doing with Russian hacking. And Trump's playing right into his hands. And it's, it's, uh, it's dangerous. I mean, our very freedoms are at risk, which is why I call this talk that I, I have cyber freedom. It's not just about protecting uh, our financial resources. It's really protecting our entire way of life starting at the financial side because if we don't have if, if we can't do commerce where are we but it also goes to the political side if we let other nations interfere with our elections how can we trust the election system right and and what is more vital to our nation than how we select our leaders mm-hmm mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And that seems to be a, a very critical component, and um, and just ignoring that altogether is, is just astounding. And um, along those lines, earlier last year, a quarter of the members of the there was a, a White House Cybersecurity Task Force they resigned in in mass, um, mm -hmm. basically claiming that Trump was AWOL when it came yeah. to. Um, uh, dealing with um, cyber threats and you know the protecting homeland security from cyber attack, yeah. and uh, and so as you said, it looks like the message from Washington is gone fishing. You're on your own, mm -hmm. um, and but there's there are a lot of threats. It's not just the election that's that's a threat, but that's very important. That's coming up in 2018, and as the head of the cyber command said, given that there's been no cost to Putin for doing what he did in 2016. There's, he has every reason to believe he's going to double down and do it at least as much, if not more so, in the upcoming election. Exactly, yeah. And, and yeah. there seems to be a, a lot of alarm bells going off to say that we are not prepared. We haven't taken any measures to really prevent that from happening this time around. Yeah. Um, it's it's so fascinating because it, there, is, there is the absence of support from, like, you know, Cyber Command not looking into what Russia is doing, uh, trumping AWOL. Uh, now, we do have Homeland Security 
working with states to help the states improve the security of their election system somewhat. Uh, it's unclear yet how effective that is. Uh, Harvard's uh, uh, the Belfer God, I forget the exact name of it, but the Belfer School, part of their uh, uh, public policy. Uh, oh, the Berkman Center? Some, maybe. At Harvard, that, yeah. Yeah, um, has been reaching out to help the states as well. Uh, the state's uh, election officials are collaborating uh, together on this, all of which is good, all of which is illustrative of how we're having to do things bottom-up without this leadership from the top down. Um, and it, I mean, it's, it's the same as leadership in a business. No matter what people do in a business, if the owner of the company or the CEO of the company, if it doesn't matter to him or her, then ultimately it's that much more of a lift for the people in the trenches to do the right thing. It's the same here. Without real strong leadership from Washington, it just makes it that much harder to defend our election system from attacks like what Putin is doing. So if, if this is a variation of that old question, you know, if you could have anyone to dinner, who would you have? But if you, as, you know, Stan Stahl with, with Citadel and It Takes a Village, um, could bring together five people to, and to tell them of the threat and what they need to do now. You know, it doesn't have to be government, private sectors, public sector, whatever. Mm -hmm. who, who, who would you call? Who would be the first five people you called? Oh, God. You know, I uh, first, it's a good question. It's one I've never even thought about. So, you know, give me a moment on, on it. Uh, but again, You're assuming if, if, I did. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but again, if, if, if you start from the perspective that, you know, nothing real is coming out of Washington right now, the right. thing to do is to hunker down. I mean, I'm here in L.A. in the L.A. area. So are you. It's let's do what Secure the Village is doing. I mean, right. I hear it's You're cyber Paul you know, Revere. It's it's say it again. You're cyber Paul Revere. Who who you do you, who do you talk to? Yeah. So Eric Garcetti, the mayor here. Let's pull a task force. He's got cyber lab. And he's uh, done that. Yeah. He's doing that. It's just let's imagine that governmental leadership. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it better though. Right now, yeah. it's it's a start. It, there's so much more that needs to be done. Let's get some of the big people in Los Angeles uh, that recognize, and if if that's Eli Brode or you know people like that, but there are movers and shakers in this town. Uh, let's get them. The head of the banks, the you know Goldsmith at at City National Bank, for example, is somebody who's very very concerned about cybersecurity. He's he's reflected that in in stuff the bank's doing and the bank's support of, of us, Secure the Village, as 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 well. Um, it's it's those civic leaders that I would bring together, and let's do something at this. Los Angeles level that's scalable. That's part of what Secure the Village is 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 looking to do. Um, let's get it here. We've got the model, and then now let's go to New York and Atlanta. And we're actually even we've talked to people in Salt Lake City about a Secure the Village chapter there. I think that's how we we you know I think that's a frankly a more realistic way longer term. It's not as easy as something that would flow down out of the top but what am i going to do i'm going to go sit down or we're going to go sit down with donald trump and change his mind i think that's ludicrous right. you know, kinda, to think that that's that's truly tilting at windmills so let's let's you know but are there think, any business think globally sectors? act locally remember 
Right. You know, Are there any business sectors that you worry about? Like, you know, for example, the power grid or yeah. um, the oh. financial institutions or um, drones or the you know, transportation grid? Yes. Are there any, any sectors that you think right away, um, yeah. you know, get them on the phone? Uh, well, financial, certainly. The financial yeah. sector. Uh, anything dealing with public safety, traffic, all of those things. I mean, um, imagine what, what let, let's suppose we get into a, you know, like a argument with, with China over the South China Sea. Right. And the traffic lights go out in L.A. for an hour. That's all. They go out for an hour, then they all come back. So for an hour, we're like, really, we're messed up. You know, then they come back on, we attribute it to China. They just shot a warning shot across our bow. Yeah. Although if it's Thursday afternoon, no one will notice since, <laughs> since the traffic wasn't moving anyway. But <laughs> that's true. You're any right. Any other uh, time, yes, that would be yeah. a very yeah. Uh, but that's that kind of thing. I mean, we we what would we do if there were an hour in L.A. and then the next week when things still are bad, uh, it's now two hours in New York. Or what if it's not China? Right. Oh, uh, because we're we're a trading partner with China. At least we're friends, even as we're competitors. What if it's Iran, or ISIS, or North Korea who does that? Uh, what's our response? What are we going to do? And how? And the fact is, um, the reality is, we are not as prepared as we need to be. Every report I see on, let's say, traffic and power and things like that, uh, there there are holes there, and some of the holes are innate uh, to the technology that we have. Um, now, I, I hear the um, the kind of the the oh my god, oh my god scenario is always that somehow they get into the energy power grid. Mm-hmm. and But people always say, well, no, that, that's not connected, so that'll never happen. Is that for real? No, I don't believe so. Um, it's It's been a few years since our companies actually worked in that sector, uh, but when we did, what was real clear was there was a push to connect together the management systems, which are connected to the internet, and the control systems, which are which control the power, the water, whatever, uh, so that management can see what's going on. Once you do that, you open up a hole from the internet all the way into the power systems. And even if we're good at protecting that now, we've not been good historically over the years. And that means... Again, everything I read is that some of our enemies are already embedded into the grid, uh, wow. meaning that they could launch an attack at any time, ostensibly. You know, there was a, a former congresswoman, Loretta Sanchez, who um, she was on the Homeland Security Committee. And uh, I remember her speaking once and saying how when they dealt with cybersecurity issues and often they they would have briefings in the afternoon, she says, <laughs> I'd have to ask myself, do I want to be able to sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. And because some of the, the briefings were, the, were that alarming. And yeah. I, I thought of it because what you just said is equally alarming. But um, so now you were talking about the concept of it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you walk us through that? If you could. Yeah. So it, it, it starts, again, with this basic idea of, of, of leadership. Uh, I come out of the world of information security practice, uh, where, you know, we're the people who, on the one side, uh, design and implement secure systems, and on the other side, uh, have to maintain those systems, uh, IT networks, and, and, and so on. And uh, 
even going back 10 years ago, it was clear to me that unless and until we got senior leadership uh, to take this challenge seriously, we, were, we as practitioners were limited in, in, in the things we could do. And I began reaching out then. We started four years ago a, um, a roundtable that meets on an ongoing basis for smaller banks, law enforcement, regulators in the financial services community to get together and share information with each other. Uh, help each other the idea again it, it takes the village to secure the village that that's our, our basic framework and so you look at things we've done along those lines since i mean there's right now we mentioned business email compromise earlier fbi says here in los angeles that businesses they know about lose 14 million dollars a month in business email compromise wow. um, yeah so just getting the banks talking together, particularly the smaller banks with law enforcement, uh, we've been able to cut into that number. Now, if a business it becomes a victim, if they notify their bank quickly enough, the bank can call the relationships they now have with the FBI and actually keep that money from either going overseas or even get it back sometimes when it does go overseas. The whole idea here, whether it's like the financial services roundtable or it's other kinds of educational things that we just, we need to help the community do and understand and get their arms around, get their heads around. And that's, we've built a whole series of programs for Secure the Village designed to do that. Um, I don't know how much you want to go into some of those details right now or whatever but you know there, there's stuff there we can talk about certainly sure well why, well why don't you jump in we have a few minutes before our next break okay yeah so at, at the top uh knowing that you've got to have executive understanding and leadership uh, we have ceo focus groups uh eight ten twelve ceos together uh for a couple of hours and we just talk around security and what's involved and what's what it entails uh and really wanting to help those CEOs understand what they need to do to lead their organizations. We have a monthly webinar series. Our second of those is tomorrow, uh, 10 to 11 in the morning uh, Pacific time. And those are designed to be skill-based. You're the information security manager in your company. Your boss has appointed you to that role. You might be a CFO. You might be an IT. Um, What's the subject matter that you've got to know and how do you manage security through that? That's what the webinar series is, is, is all about. Uh, we've got outreach programs uh, Friday morning. Uh, my company, Citadel, and a company, a, a solutions provider, CyberAdapt, are hosting a breakfast on, on the west side. Uh, we've got the same kinds of programs for schools and parents. And, you know, we, we did a piece with the PTA not too long ago uh, in, in the San Fernando Valley. We had the district attorney. Uh, there's a couple of his uh, uh, patrol officers, uh, not the district attorney, a deputy district attorney, let me be very specific on, on that. Um, Warren Cotto was there helping underst people understand, citizens basically understand what they need to do. These are the kinds of things that Secure the Village is, is all about. How do we help people both we've got to educate them on the one side so they know what to do but we also have to motivate them on the other side so that they really recognize this threat for what it is and we have information we have links to um, secure the village uh, on as well as citadel 
uh, on our website. So check it out again at cyberlawradio.wordpress. And we're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to take a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. St. Jude continues to advance by increasing cure rates in childhood cancer. And donors are important to us because you get the feeling that you have a team behind you. When it comes to research and advancements, there are some things that only we can do because we have the resources and we have the focus. And so if St. Jude doesn't do it, who will? St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Webmasterradio.fm. Take your hat off, kick your feet up, and log into the feed. We're here for you 24-7. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly, and we have a couple of news updates on some of our recent shows. Last week and earlier, we had talked about uh, the congressional agenda for the tech community. And um, yesterday, the House of Representatives passed a a bill to address online sex trafficking. And um, there's information on our blog at ILC Cyber Report. And... um, as well as on the show notes about the House bill, which is still somewhat controversial. It passed despite um, warnings from the Justice Department that the bill might make sex trafficking prosecutions harder and that some of the provisions were arguably unconstitutional. In addition, two weeks ago, we talked about the Amazon HQ2 race and certain cities that may or may not be in contention. One of those cities was Atlanta. And I have to give you an update there. It appears that uh, Atlanta would is cannot really be considered seriously in contention anymore when the lieutenant governor of that state threatened its largest private employer with a uh, removing a tax benefit for it because it had exercised its First Amendment right and saying that basically, based on your political views. We're going to punish you because of our view of the Second Amendment. And uh, so I think you can more or less kiss any Amazon HQ2 
in Atlanta goodbye, and you're already starting to see other states telling Delta Airlines, hey, come come to us. We won't do this to you. So Georgia is literally shooting itself in its foot. And more importantly, as while this show went, went on the air, there was a school uh, incident in Georgia, this one involving an armed teacher. No students were hurt, and the teacher has been arrested. So um, let that give you pause before we start arming teachers. That may not be the best idea. So we're back, and we're talking with Stan. We only have um, we have about ten minutes left to kind of wrap this up. And um, and one last thing, um, Stan, since this is Oscar week, do you have any favorites for this upcoming um, the Oscars on Sunday? Oh, um, I don't have favorites. I watch I, I go to a lot of movies i love the movies have since i was like four years old my grandfather actually opened the first movie theaters in western pennsylvania oh. uh, back around 1912 that era era so love the movies uh god the daniel day lewis movie was so good uh the billboards three billboards also uh my favorite of all of them, even as I just said, I don't have favorites because I love the movies, but it's it's a favorite not just for the movie, but because of the story, is uh, Darkest Hour, the the Churchill story, the, the story. Yes. Uh, those, those few months, critical months, just before World War II, when Churchill has to rally the nation, and the great quote of Edward R. Murrow that's the tagline to that movie, Churchill mobilized the English language and sent it into battle. Uh, I love that phrase because it's it's what we all do or what right. we all aspire to do anyway <laughs> as we use the language. But I think Churchill is the the the, the exemplar, the archetype of, of of doing that. So, and yeah. I think you know Gary Oldman has been so widely regarded as such a great actor and and one of the top villains of all time, and yeah. then he's here to to take a heroic character, and he just kills it. I mean, I don't think any. He's won every award possible. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone else has even entertained someone else for that That's position. Right. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish him. I was a big fan of the the Shape of Water, and uh -huh. uh, I, I love that director, um, yeah. Guillermo del Toro. And if you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, definitely go see it. But in any event, we have Stan here not to play Siskel and Ebert, but to talk about <laughs> really the um, the top threats that businesses yeah. are going to be facing <laughs> in dealing with the online threats today and. What are some things that we haven't talked about that you think well, we should? So, first of all, we've not discussed uh, just the fact that year in, year out, the studies that come out on cyber breaches are in, just have the same message. 80%, maybe more, of breaches that are occurring don't need to happen. Um, if businesses, if organizations pay attention to Basic hygiene, 80% uh, of these attacks can be blocked. And basic hygiene, it's the social engineering stuff that we talked about, that the vital role of leadership. It's not money. It's not what you spend here. It's the leadership you provide. Just help people understand the dangers of clicking on links and opening attachments and all, and maybe spend a little bit of money on phishing attacks, you know, fish your people to help pre them practice what we're preaching, that whole side of it. Make sure that IT is patching systems religiously. 
again, basic hygiene. Make sure, and this is a harder one for management to oftentimes get their arms around because they're not technical and what I'm about to say is, but how the corporate network itself is set up uh, can expose the company, the business to attack um, that simply connecting the computers together differently, you would block those attacks. Uh, that, that's the place where, again, if, if security is a piece of IT, it's harder for security to get that word out and say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, that was part of Equifax's problem as an example. Uh, but you need to look rigorously at, at that network. But if you do those basic things, 80% uh, of these attacks are, are blockable. Beyond that, um, we've identified seven success strategies, if you will, that basic stuff. I mean, one's IT, like we already mentioned, making sure you get IT under security control, but managing uh, the security risk of, of third parties and vendors. Uh, that was Target's challenge. Uh, heating and ventilation contractor was uh, the entry point. Uh, they got hacked, the heating and ventilation contractor, that they got hacked, that became the entry point to target. Uh, having policies and standards, I mean, they're, they're legally needed for compliance situations, HIPAA, uh, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, the California basic laws, a lot of state breach laws require policies and standards and so on. So having those and having them... Uh, you know, and, and not just, oh, we have policies and standards, they're up on the shelves, but living them day in, day out. And that takes uh, security management. Uh, because security is so cross-functional, it touches everybody. Everybody in a company is liable to get that phishing email. Um, you need to manage security from a top-down but cross-functional way so it touches all the uh, pieces of, of an organization. I mean, there's training staff, obviously. I mean, there's these seven things that if you do these things and in an ongoing way, you've got this steering committee that meets every month, you'll get your arms around cybersecurity. It's not to say you won't have an incident. Uh, you may very well, you likely will, the way the world is going. Uh, what's the old adage that you know, there are two kinds of companies in the world, those who know they've been attacked and, and those who don't. Uh, right. know, that, that kind of thing. But if you're managing this stuff and you get hit, you'll recover more gracefully. Uh, the National Institute of Standards and Technology has built a framework around security that says start with identifying what's sensitive, what your sensitive information is. That's one of these seven things that on our, you know, critical success factors, you know, protect it. You know, anti-malware, firewalls, phishing attacks on your people, training, etc. Uh, be able to detect when something's gone wrong. And that's a harder thing for companies to do, but the technology for that is getting better. Uh, we're, we're seeing technology get uh, become more affordable, particularly in the small and medium-sized space for that. Be able to respond to an attack when you after you've detected it. Have an incident response plan in place. Be prepared. Again, that's another of those seven critical success factors. And then the final is it's the, the, the new word, the new buzzword is to be cyber resilient. So you, right. after you've responded to the attack, you're in fact able to recover gracefully and resume normal business operations. I mean, that's that's the overall structure of this stuff. And if you do those few basic hygiene things, you're already ahead of most other companies. And if you take it to where you, in, in some cases like HIPAA, where you're legally required to go, uh, you get even more protection there. And we, we only have a minute or two left. And just to highlight your point about being smart, uh, there's that 
thing that goes around on Twitter that says someone is saying something bad about you on the internet. And I, I must have clicked on it by accident and it went to all my list. And one of them went to a guest of the show, uh, Ralph Hallow. He's a reporter for the Washington Times, conservative columnist. And he contacted me and said, Bennett, I got this thing on Twitter that says someone is saying something bad about you. Is that, is that for real? He did the smart thing. And my response to him was, Ralph, I said, Ralph, why would I send you something you already know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But um, I'll give you the last word. We only have a minute left. Um, any parting thoughts? We have information on your events on our show notes at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. <laughs> and Stan, last thoughts. Yes, so Benjamin Franklin, uh, it's not even 30 seconds. Uh, distrust and caution are the parents of security. If we keep that front of mind, distrust and caution are the parents of security. And everything else flows from that. Um, well, well said. Yeah, let Ben have the last word. And uh, from another Ben, um, will join us next week. <laughs> next week, um, we'll be having another uh, our last segment from the Miami Book Fair, and then the week after, we have a, an interesting show. Um, we're going to be talking with Ann Ravel, the former chairman of the Federal Elections Committee, on regulating online political ads. So definitely, the next two weeks we get some interesting stuff, and then we're going to have Darius Chisholm. Fifty Shades of Silence. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Stan, once again for being such a good friend of the show. And join us again. We'll be back next week. And check us out at the Internet Law Center, InternetLawCenter.net. We're a full-service internet firm, and we have check out our blog at ILC Cyber Report. We have information on all that has just recently happened on Capitol Hill. We respect the SESTA. And join us here next week. We'll be here talking about the latest in internet law and policy. So thanks again. Thank you, uh, producer Brasco. Till then, this is Bennett Kelly. Have a great week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.